Well, it's really good to see all of you today. If you happen to be a guest, my name is David. I'm the senior pastor. We're so glad you're here. And it was Father's Day. I hope all you dads and granddads have a great Father's Day. I hope that somehow, some way, uh, when y'all go out to eat today, uh, one of your kids actually picks up the tab. And uh, if your kids are under the age of any, like under the age of 45, probably not going to happen, but, you know, it's there. So uh, we're in a series entitled, what is it entitled? Oh, it begins. That's right. Uh, we started the first of June. It's going to go through the end of July. And we're looking at the first two chapters of the book of Acts to see the beginning of the Christian movement, to see how, how the early church kind of just came together and what happened there. And, um, you know, the thing that I kind of want you to get from this series, what I've been really focusing on, uh, and I shared it with you the last two weeks, is this, that no story, or excuse me, no story matters more than the story of Jesus. There's simply no story that matters more than the story of Jesus or the gospel. There's nothing that matters more than that. Now today we're going to begin in chapter 2. We're going to spend a couple of weeks looking at the Holy Spirit coming. And it's kind of a, it's kind of a two-part you know, sermon, and I'm going to do the first four verses today. So today I'll be in chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. There's no title. The series is just titled It Begins. And then next week I'll finish out the Holy Spirit coming. But, and this is what I really want you to kind of get from as we go through the message uh, today, that in the, for a follower of Jesus, that the Holy Spirit does what only God can do. For the, if you're a follower of Jesus, the Holy Spirit does what only God can do. Now, I recognize that the Holy Spirit does what only God can do, even if you're not a follower of Jesus. I understand all that, so I don't, you know, I got all that. But since we're looking at the Holy Spirit coming in the beginning of the church and how that relates to you and I, so I just want to focus today on the fact that for the believer, for the follower of Jesus, for the Christian, the Holy Spirit does what God does in, in your life. And so I want to begin talking a little bit about anticipation and uh, in the early 70s, 1973, Carly Simon wrote a really great song. And the song was a hit. But it really didn't become so well-known everywhere until the mid-70s and late-70s when the Heinz Corporation took it to be part of a, a ketchup commercial. Somebody back then had the insight. They were genius to realize that, you know, back then you, it always took forever to get ketchup. We didn't have squeeze bottles back then. You had to open the ketchup bottle up, and you did that. And there was always tricks. My, you know, my wife would take the ketchup bottle and swing it around to try to get it going. And, um, you know, sometimes you take a knife and you pop it, and you stick it in there. One time I got tired, I just broke it and just got some out that way. It, had a little, it was a little crunchy, but it was okay, you know. And so they just had, they had these commercials. And then at some point, the ketchup bottle would be open. They would just hold it, and you would just watch the ketchup slowly come out. And then they would play the Carly Simon song, Anticipation. Anticipation is keeping me waiting. But when it got there, it would be so good. There was anticipation going on in Acts chapter 2. They were waiting, anticipating the coming of the Holy Spirit of God. The Spirit of God had actually been promised back in the Old Testament times. They didn't fully understand what all that meant. Then when Jesus came, he began to tell them, listen, I'm going to leave at some point. But that's good because the Holy Spirit's coming. And then after his resurrection for 40 days, he kept telling them, the Holy Spirit's coming, the Holy Spirit's coming. Then right before he left, he said, go to Jerusalem and wait for the Holy Spirit. So they were in Jerusalem. They were waiting for the Holy Spirit. They were going to wait 10 days for him to come. In the meantime, they would meet together. They would learn some things together. Um, they would replace Judas with somebody else to be an apostle. They were praying together. And, and, and prayer is an important part of what they were doing. Now, don't, don't misunderstand. I've heard this sometimes preached. I've heard preachers say this, you know, that, that you know, the Holy Spirit wasn't coming until they started praying. Or it was their prayers that brought about the Holy Spirit. God was sending the Holy Spirit whether they prayed or not. Okay? Don't have pagan views about prayer, that prayer somehow manipulates God, forces God, or God doesn't do anything until we pray. 
Prayer prepares us for what God's going to do because God's going to do it whether we pray or not. So the prayer prepared them for what God was about to do. Now, the doctrine of the Holy Spirit, the teaching of the Holy Spirit is something we don't do a lot. Let me give you like a one-minute just quick teaching on the Holy Spirit so you kind of have this as a background. In the life of the unbeliever, the Holy Spirit does two things. He convicts them of sin and convinces them they need Jesus. When you became a follower of Christ, the Holy Spirit worked in your life to convict you that you were a sinner and convince you need Jesus. In the life of someone, when they come to Christ, he does two more things. He cleanses them of their sin or forgives them, and then he saves them. He comes to save them. And then once you're saved, he does two things in your life. He guides you and gives you gifts. He gifts you, gives you abilities, and he guides you in your life. Now, with that in mind, let us come to Acts chapter 2, verse 1. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. Now, the word Pentecost means 50. And Pentecost was a celebration 50 days after the Passover. And it's celebrated. Sometimes it's known as the Feast of Weeks or Tabernacles. It was a harvest celebration. It celebrated the harvest. And so they would come together and celebrate the harvest, the Jews would. And, and the, these early group of believers were together on that day. There was about 120 of them. There were more believers than that because we know in Galilee there was at least 500. But these 120 were there, and they were in one place. In a minute we'll see there that they were in a house. But the concept of a house doesn't mean it has to be a formal house. It can just be a place where they would meet. If 120 people might be get hard to get all in a house, it really doesn't matter. The thing that matters is they were all together, all right? They've been together, working together, living together, praying together, learning together. Verse 2 says this, and suddenly there came from heaven a noise like a violent rushing wind. Suddenly means unexpectedly, quickly. They, they knew the Holy Spirit was coming. They didn't know when, and suddenly something happened. And the place it came from was heaven, and it says this, there was a noise. Now, in, in the next three verses, we're going to three, see three manifestations or three ways the Holy Spirit works in the life, back then at Pentecost, even today. And uh, in each of these three ways we see it affects one of the senses of the body. Now, it says here there's a noise. So the first sense that's affected is the sense of hearing. They heard something. And what they heard was like a violent rushing wind. It wasn't a violent rushing wind, but it was like it. Now, uh, the word violent means forceful, you know, vicious, uh, you know, rushing, coming forth. I've never been in a tornado. Hopefully I never will. But I've known people that have. Maybe some of you have had. And from what I've been told by those who experienced it, that when a tornado comes, it sounds like a freight train is coming. I mean, it's just a loud sound. Now, we don't normally think of sound, a wind as having sound, but that's what it was like. So it was like a violent rushing wind. It wasn't a wind, but it was like it, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. So the place where they were gathered, that, that noise filled everything. So everybody there heard, heard the sound. Now, in, in, in biblical times, in, back in the Old Testament, wind oftentimes symbolizes power. Wind has great power. Tornadoes have power. Hurricanes have power. It gets windy where we are, and this, you know, there's power there. And when I got here this morning, I noticed I looked down the patio, and there were cushions blown everywhere from the power of the wind. And I knew that at some point the rest of the staff would come out and clean it up, and I wouldn't have to worry about it. <laughs> but, and so there's a power in that way, too. <laughs> I'm not the one cleaning it up. Someone else is. But, you know, so... so there's this power. And when the Holy Spirit came, there was power. An unbelievable power. Power of God. Verse 3. And there appeared. So the second of the senses that were affected with the coming of the Holy Spirit was sight. They saw something. To them it was tongues of fire distributing themselves. So 
It wasn't fire, but it reminded it. It was as a fire, like fire. It was the same sort of thing. Um, if you, you know, when you build a fire and you see the flames coming up, it looks like tongues, you know? And so what was happening, it was distributing themselves. It would come up, and the flame would come up, and it would break in two, and it would go off in a direction. Then that would break in two and go off in another direction. It's like if you look at a, a mature tree and you see all the branches just developing and moving. It says it was like a fire, distributed themselves, and they rested on each one of them. So each person there at one point had that tongue of whatever that was that looked like fire rest upon them. Every single person did. Now, fire oftentimes symbolizes presence, the presence of God. Moses saw the burning bush as the presence of God. And so when the Holy Spirit comes or came back then, the presence of God was there. What came with the Holy Spirit was the power and the presence of God. Verse 4, we see this. And then they were filled with the Holy Spirit. I'm going to talk about that in a minute. And they began to speak with other tongues. The word tongues, uh, glossa, can mean the organ of the mouth, or it can mean a language. They began to speak another language. Now, this is the third of the senses that were impacted. It was the ability to speak, to hear, to see, to speak. And they began to speak in languages. Now, some think that the word language means the ecstatic type languages or the prayer languages or the unknown languages that you see in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, but that's not what this is. Next week, we're going to see that people heard the gospel in their language. Here, the word language just means an understandable language. Notice it says other tongues. So it means one other than their own that could be understood. Then it says, as the Spirit was giving them utterance. The word utterance comes from a word that means to state your case plainly. So whatever was being spoken was something that was plain. It was not their language, but it was a plain language people could understand. It happened because they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, the word filled means to come to the very brim. If you take a cup and you fill it with water, when it's full, if you add one more drop, it begins to overflow. They had the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Now, we need to understand that at this moment in the life of every one of them, because it touched each and every one of them, the Holy Spirit completely came in their life and never left. We talk about it in Acts 2 as the Holy Spirit came in an abiding, a permanent way. In fact, that's what it's taught in the New Testament. It comes and it's permanent and we're completely filled. We have all of the Holy Spirit that we need. Now, sometimes we talk about we need to be filled with the Spirit in other places in some of the letters. But it would talk about being filled with the Spirit or someone say be filled with the Spirit. And so it can be kind of confusing because we'll be saying that we don't have the Spirit. Did I lose some of the Spirit? No. But then those places, it means to be able to utilize all of the fullness of the Spirit. Put it to you this way. When I came this morning, I got here early, you know, like at 6.30, I come in here, and I just spend some time praying before all the services. And one of the things that I ask is, is, is I say, Lord, help me, help me experience the power and the presence, your power and your presence as I preach today. Now, I'm not saying give me your power and presence. I already have it. I have the Holy Spirit. I have the power and presence of God. I have all that I need. All that he's going to give me, but I still have to utilize it. I can have it and never use it. And so sometimes when we talk about, you know, we pray, Lord, just fill this place. Well, the Lord, the presence of the Lord is already here. In fact, all of you could be unbelievers, every one of you. And I could be the only believer here. And just by walking in, the presence of God and the power of God is here. Now that doesn't sound near as humble as I wish it did, but that could be of any of you. I could be the lost person and we could pick one of you at random and you could, you know, everybody could be lost, but you, once you walk into the door, the power and the presence of God is here. That's the filling of the Holy Spirit. So here we have this unbelievable thing. When the Holy Spirit came upon every one of their lives, 
They had the filling of the Spirit, the presence of the Spirit. They had the power of the Spirit. And Acts chapter 2 was, was an unbelievable experience. And it doesn't happen again. There's no more you know, Acts chapter 2 experiences. I know we have the song, give us that old time power, that Pentecostal power, as if we're waiting for the Pentecost to come. It didn't come in again. We already have it. Now, I know there are two more places in the book of Acts, chapter 8 and chapter 10, where it talks about the Holy Spirit came upon a group of people. One, chapter 8, was the Samaritans, and in chapter 10 was Gentiles. That's because in Acts 1-8, Jesus says, you'll be my witnesses with the Jews in Jerusalem, Judea, then the Samaritans, then to the world, the Gentiles. And so, just as the Jews received the experience of the Holy Spirit, there was one time that the Samaritans received it, and one time that the Gentiles received it. But once that happens, it's good. And once you become a follower of Christ, you have the Holy Spirit. In your life, you have the presence in the power of God, through the Spirit, that fills each and every one of us. It's an amazing thing when that happens in our life. This past week, I was in New Orleans. I was at the Southern Baptist Convention, um, and it's our annual meeting. I rarely go. I go every four or five years, and every so often, I say, oh, I need to go to that. And every time I go to that, I say, why did I go to that? I'm not going for a while, but I made a promise to God. Years ago, I made a promise to God. I said, God, whenever you want me to go to the convention, here's how I'll know. It'll be held in New Orleans, and I will go. <laughs> so after the convention was over, I stayed a few extra days to do a little vacation and just spend some time there. And um, Wednesday, the last session, you know, and I, and it's, it was a sauna in New Orleans this week. I mean, it was just brutal, but it was all right. And uh, the food was fantastic. So that's why I stayed. To, I like to eat, man. And so, uh, you know, Wednesday... Convention's over. I got out of my convention clothes, and I put on, you know, I went old school. What do I always dress? I was shorts, you know, a T-shirt that had something to do with Texas on it, praise God. Um, <laughs> I had a baseball hat on. When I got outside, the wind was blowing, so I went old school. I flipped the hat around, and I'm walking, and then I'm up on the river, and if you've been to New Orleans and that part, you know what it's like. There's a big mall called uh, Riverwalk Mall, and so I went to Riverwalk Mall. It's along the Mississippi. It's a long thing. And uh, it's, it's now, it's, an, it's got fancy outlet stores. It's an outlet mall for fancy stores, you know, really nice ones. Obviously, some of you, by looking, would never shop there. But anyways, it's a really nice place. And so, there was some, I, I found some shirts that I like. Yeah, there, everything's, you know, it was big sale, big sale. I went on there. And so, I had this garment bag flipped over, and I'm walking. And there's this fancy little store that sells skincare products. I don't care. It's all French, and everybody inside is wearing black, and they're young, and, you know, all that stuff. But when I get past it, they have a little kiosk. And there's just two people, one guy, one girl, and there's this little thin, skinny, short girl, and she's all bubbly, and when she speaks, she's speaking English, I can't understand her, I don't know if she has a French accent, Spanish accent, something European, she just jumps out in front of me, and she goes, here, take this, and it's like, all right, I'm in a good mood, so I take it, and, you know, and I'm blowing past her, and she says, oh, I can tell you are such a guy. <laughs> that got my attention. <laughs> Had the dude said it. No, but it got my attention. And so she and I spent the next 10 minutes of our life together. And she looks at me and she got my name, David, and she says, David, let me just ask you, what kind of skincare products do you use? And I, I don't use any. She goes, oh, you are such a guy. Probably at least a dozen times she had told me I was such a guy. It's probably one of the most well-established facts in all of New Orleans that I am a guy. Okay. <laughs> 
And she says, and she pulls out this box and she opens it up and it's got velvet in it and there's this canister in it. And she goes, oh, David, I want you to look up for me. And I look up and she takes something and I feel her touch me right there. And she says, does that feel good? I'm like, no, yeah, it feels pretty good. And she's telling me about this product. It's going to exfoliate, whatever that is. I don't know. And she says, it's going to get tight. Is it getting tight? I said, yeah, it's getting tight. You're going to do the other side because right now I'm leaning this way and I want to be back on balance. She goes, I'll get it later. And she just tells me all the things this thing's going to do. And she says, David, do you know you have so many wrinkles in your face and you have so many sunspots in the back of your eyes? I said, I know. I'm 62, man. I've lived a life. I got it. She goes, oh, David, you're such a guy. And she says, you have these beautiful blue eyes. Do you know what? They just pop. And I said, darling, the reason they pop is because I got wrinkles. That's why they pop. And she says, oh, David, you are such a guy. And she says, give me your hand. And she puts moisturizer on my hand, this cream. She goes, how does that feel? Feels pretty good. What kind of moisturizer do you use? I said, I don't use moisturizer. She goes, oh, David, you know what she said to me next? Yeah, you're such a guy. And she said, David, I'm going to give you two years, two and a half years supply. It's the highest product. She says, you know this canister sells for $999. I'm going to sell it to you for $400. And the cream is $400. I'm going to sell it to you for $300. She goes use car salesman mode. Except the difference is she has really good skin. And I actually kind of like her. She smells nice. So, I mean, different thing to use car salesman. I've been around. And I said, man, I just, I just don't think I can do this. She says, that's a lot of men. I said, David, 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 hang on a second. Let me ask you this. Do you ever shower? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I shower. She goes, what kind of soap? Do you use a facial soap? Do you use a body soap? I'm like, and I'm thinking, what? what? A facial soap, body soap, bath wash, you know, shampoo, conditioner, toothpaste, mouthwash. They do the same thing, man. They're interchangeable in my life. <laughs> I said, I use... Uh, I use Irish Spring. She goes, oh, David, you're such a guy. And she says, let me show you. And she shows me her finest, finest body wash thing she has in the outrageous price. And she says, David, I want you to have all of these two and a half years supply of all of these things. David, all of this stuff together is $2,000. But David, I want you to have it for $400. And I look at her and I say, darling, I, I just don't think I'll ever use it. And she says, David, you are such a guy. And I look at her and say, do you know why I'm such a guy? She goes, no, David, tell me, why are you such a guy? I said, because I don't use skincare products. That's why. <laughs> it's the secret. <laughs> Brian, she would have loved you. You'd have been great if there but. <laughs> See ya. I get exfoliated just standing within five feet of him and Joe. <laughs> she said, David, I'm going to change your life. One time event, you're going to get the exfoliator, the skincare cream, and the body wash. Three things in one to change your life. When the Holy Spirit came, the power of God came. And everything was changed. One event, there was the filling of the Holy Spirit. There was the power of God. There was the presence of God. And it never left. The anticipation was over. I want to share with you now for these next few minutes about the big moments. Because life has big moments. I was uh, being in New Orleans 
That's the first vacation Debbie and I ever took 36 years ago, about right about this time. We had been married five years. We never had vacation. Um, you know, we living away, moving away from San Antonio, we go back home. I think one time we actually went up for a day or so to Houston, spent the night to go to an Astros baseball game or something. But we, we never had a vacation for five years. And then we decided we were going to take one. And Kelly was just a couple months old. And we went to New Orleans. And so as I'm walking around and, we, and just thinking about all the times we've been there, and, and Debbie and I fell in love with it. We've been back probably together, together we've been back eight or nine times. And uh, it's just a cool place where we like to go with the history, the architecture, the food, and just the walking around. And I was looking around and I was just thinking about the first time we came. For us, that was a big moment. It was huge. We'd never done anything like that in our life. Life has big moments, and so does with God. In fact, there are moments, big moments, when God appears and makes himself known. They're big. They're huge. When God comes and he makes himself known to all of us. And three of those moments, creation, incarnation, and Pentecost. At creation, the power of the Father creator was revealed. Do you know that when God created, you see the power for the first time? There was nothing Nothing but God, and then all that changed. And God took nothing, and he made everything. That's pretty cool power. I mean, listen, when you're a follower of Jesus, you probably ought to believe in that power of the creator. Now, I know there's all sorts of views about how things happen, and you're influenced by a lot of things. I get all that. I understand. But somewhere in all of your understanding of how things came to be, you need to have God creating it from nothing. You don't have to believe that to be saved. But once you're saved, you kind of need to believe that. And the cool thing is this, that the God who has the power to create something from nothing is the God who has the power to do whatever he wants. Whatever he wants. You realize when Jesus died on the cross, God had the power to raise him back to life. And God who has the power to create and the power to raise back to life, Jesus from the dead, has the power to forgive your sins and to save you in Christ. He has the power that you don't have. You don't have the power to forgive yourself for your sins. You don't have the power to have God forgive you from your sins. But God has the power to do all of that. And he has the power to save you. Secondly, at the incarnation, in addition to power, God the Son was present. At the incarnation, the Son became present. Jesus was present for the very first time in all of history. Jesus came into this world for the very first time. And it was a miracle with power, yes, but it was his divine presence was there. And, and, and one of the titles of Jesus is Emmanuel, which means God with us. He was the with us God. He became present. And he walked with the people and talked with people. Now, God came sometimes. In the Old Testament, you see the presence of God, but he comes and goes, comes and goes. Jesus came and he just hung around for a long time. And he said, I'm going to leave, but I'll be back. And then we'll all be together. He'll be present again. But until then, there's another presence. And here's the cool thing. The God who can be present at any one moment can be present at every moment. And when the Holy Spirit came into this world, the presence of God came and it will never leave. The presence of God will never again leave the creation of God. And so with the power and the presence of God in the Holy Spirit, those are big moments. And the third thing is this. At Pentecost, in addition to having power and presence, God the Spirit came to dwell. God came to stay. 
He dwells. He, he filled me. He filled every one of those believers. And, and every time we become a believer, he fills us. And he stays. And we have that power and that presence that changes our life. So we lived in rebellion against God. We lived in sin against God. We lived our life our own way. And we had no power to do anything. I never, never could feel the presence of God because we're aliens from God. We're strangers from God. We never feel his presence. And then at that moment of salvation, all that changes. And we have the power and the very presence of God with us every day of our life. We tell the story of Jesus because it's so important. But at the beginning, understand, this is important too. In fact, the story of Pentecost is part of the story of Jesus. Now, I'm not necessarily going to go tell someone who doesn't know Christ all about Pentecost at first. But as a believer, I need to know about that story. Because I need to know God is with me. And so we, we share it with you. We want you to tell the story of Jesus. And you say, well, I don't know how I can tell the story of Jesus. I just, I, 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 I'm, not, I'm not real good with words. And I don't, I'm not real good with people. And I don't know all the Bible. And I get all that. I hear you. But listen, you have the Holy Spirit with you. And you may not realize it, but the Holy Spirit has all of that stuff. Everything you don't have, the Holy Spirit has. And in your life, you have all the power and all the presence of Jesus that you need. Now, we're all a little different. I get it. My gifts are a little bit different than yours. I get it. And yours are going to be different than mine, and I understand. But you know, we all have the same Holy Spirit. And so whoever comes in your life, he gives you everything you need to help them. Whoever comes in my life, he gives me everything I need to help them. You can share the story of Jesus because of the Holy Spirit. You can do that. And those are important moments. Because as important as the moments are of creation and incarnation and Pentecost, and I could add resurrection, obviously. Well, I didn't add that could add that. But as important as all of those are in your life, when you come to faith in Jesus, that's the big moment. In the life of someone you know and love and you care about, the biggest moment of their life is coming to Jesus. You see, someone trusting Jesus is a big moment. And all of us know those people who need Jesus. We do. In New Orleans, there's the Mississippi River. Mississippi River is massive. Third largest river in the world. Two-thirds of all the rivers in America pour into that river. And I, and I love that river. I, I love looking at it. I've, I've been on the Spanks in New Orleans, Baton Rouge, Natch Natchez, Vicksburg, St. Louis, you know, Memphis. Wherever I go when I cross, I just love to, to look at that. It's a massive thing. And in there, you just feel the, you feel the expansiveness of it. I mean, in New Orleans, if not for the levees and dams, the river just pour out all over the city. And you see massive ships on that river. And you can also go to certain places and just see little kids just fishing in that river. It's got this presence, this power. It's unbelievable. Friday night, it's my last night in New Orleans, and I'm sitting on the banks of the river. There's a lot of other people around, you know, but it's still kind of a quiet night. People around, they're talking, visiting. I'm just looking. And Debbie and I used to always kind of go and just sit out in the Mississippi River, and this is really the first time that I've been there without her. 
And I was just thinking about life, you know, the things we did. It wasn't a sad time. It wasn't, it wasn't melancholy. It wasn't unhappy. You know, I'm just sitting there. I'm thinking, but I'm, you know, I'm knowing she's with Jesus, and I'm happy, and I'm praising God, and, and I know I'll be with her. I'll see her one day, and, and you know, whatever. I don't know what life is going to be like in heaven with her. Maybe she'll, maybe she'll say, you know, David, I'm good. You don't need to, I don't need you in my part of heaven. Go some other part. I don't know. <laughs> But I'm thinking about the life that we had, and I'm not sad, but I'm also thinking about the sermon. I'm thinking of two things at one time. And, and, I'm, and I'm like, at the same time, I'm thinking about the story. Sorry, I'm thinking about, you know, the, you're such a guy story. How can I work that in? Because that's too good not to, so I have to make up some way to work that in. And I'm just thinking about the ending and the beginning and the points, but I'm thinking about my life and everything that's going on. And I just begin thinking, God, you know, what's going to happen to me? Because I'm at a point in my life, I want to know what's going to happen. Because my life's different, man. What do, you, what do you got planned for me? I don't know how many, what do I got left? I don't know how many days, weeks, months, years, decades I got. I don't know, God. What, what, my life's different, so what do you got planned for me? What value is there? What's going to happen in my life, God? i just like to know. What, what's going to happen? And I'm praying about all that, and I'm thinking about this message and in the course of those two things moving back and forth, I just know that it really doesn't matter what God has planned. Because in my life, I have the power and the presence of God. I have everything I need. For as long as he needs me here, I have God. I have the Holy Spirit within me. And I have the power and the presence of God to do whatever God decides I'm going to do. Because for the follower of Jesus, the Holy Spirit does in our life what only God can do. But you need to have the Holy Spirit. And you only have the Holy Spirit when you come to faith in Jesus. Some of you may need to come to faith in Jesus. You may need today to trust Jesus to be your Savior. And if you've never done that, you can do that, and the Holy Spirit will come. He's convicting you of sin and convincing you you need Jesus. He will come and forgive your sin, and he'll save you. And you'll have him the rest of your life, the power and the presence. I'm going to be standing here. There'll be a few others here. Ladies, if you'd rather talk to another woman, you can do that and come and just say, I want to give my life to Christ. Maybe for some of you, you, you're a follower of Jesus, but you don't experience that presence and that power, and you want to do that. Well, we'll pray with you to help you with that. Maybe you, you want to pray for someone else. Maybe you want to join our church. I don't know what you need to do. You're going to walk out of here. And when you walk out of here... Know that you can walk out of here having experienced the biggest moment of your life. You can walk out of here experiencing the moment when the Holy Spirit fills you with the power and the presence of God. So, Lord, as we end our time of message and in our time coming to a close of worship, we do want you to, to know that we are so thankful that you have sent not just Jesus, but you sent the Holy Spirit. You sent the Holy Spirit to fill us, to give us power and presence, to change our life. We want our life changed, God. 
We want to be different than we were before. We need the big moments. So give us that moment. Let the anticipation end and give us the moment where we're filled with the Spirit. Live us the moment, Father, where the power and the presence are real. Amen. Would you come?